Welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive. We are in the book of Daniel in our series, Daniel Part 1. Today we are going to uh, attempt to do something that we haven't done in a while, uh, if ever, which is... The wave? (laughs) Yeah, shout out Jim Hayes. Uh, No, we're going to try to tackle about four chapters um, of the book of Daniel because we've got some catch up to do. Those aren't small chapters, Brad. No, they're not. It's a uh, it's a not a short story either. Um, yeah, the last few few weeks, like I had COVID for a couple, you know, for a week. Was, Sorry about that. Yeah, it wasn't fun, but um, I took a lot of naps. Hey, which you know, there you go. Is was yeah, but you know, whole family. We were quarantined. Um, had some other church stuff, and yeah, just frankly speaking, this is where we're at. So I wanted to catch us back up. Um, so that we can finish Daniel part one well. Next week we'll be in the Daniel 6, Daniel in the lion's den. Um, really, before we hit Corinthians, because I want to get back to a, a weekly rhythm there. But, you know, we are in a season of transition as a church, as we've been talking about a lot, and that has yes. put everything in transition. So uh, my name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. do a lot of the online side of things, resources uh, as well. Joined today by Pastor... Daniel. Daniel Borth, um, interim lead pastor, Midrose Campus pastor. Also known as Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar. <laughs> Dude, we should have, um, <laughs> just for, as like an Easter egg for this series, we should have changed your name on uh, the Meet the Team page on the website. Oh, that's a great so idea. Then Belteshazzar. Or even just the Borth. lower thirds in yeah. service. Oh. Dude, we should do it this week. That'd be good. Just to, That'd be good. Uh, as we wrap, because this will be our, next week will be our, our last Week. That's right. The final installment of Daniel one, which this has been um, kind of cool. Uh, speaking of transition, yep, I've ended up preaching more than I anticipated in this series. Now, First uh, Corinthians series, Brad, you've had a lot to do with that, and you're going to be mm-hmm. uh, leading qu- like half of the conversations yep. there, which I'm really excited for. Um, because of teaching so much with Daniel, I've really grown in my understanding of the book, which uh-huh. is good, uh-huh. um, but in my appreciation of it. So, um, yeah, it's kind of been a wonderful uh, thing to have focused so much in this mysterious piece of Old Testament literature. Yeah. So with that being said, let's just jump in. Um, yep. We are, one of the things that I, I think I've always n- I've known, or at least as long as I've I found myself in formal Bible or theological education um, context matters. Context matters a, a whole lot. Yeah, we had a professor that said context is king. Is king. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah before at the beginning of every lecture, he'd start. It's kind of a call and response kind of thing. Um, but yeah, context is king, and especially so I think when we're dealing with with narrative like this, that's so much rooted in history. Um, but there's a lot going on in this area of the world in a kind of a, you know, relatively speaking, short amount of, of yes. time. When you're talking about thousands of years of Old Testament history, to, to see the, the, the transition, to see empires rise and fall essentially within a, a couple hundred year span and, and how that impacts and, re, you know, relates to Israel and, and God's people there. And so we want to spend, I want to spend some time talking about that because the story I do think that the story kind of reads you know reads for itself but Dan if you would uh, maybe just give us a, a high level summary of 
chapters two through five. Okay. So our last deep dive, we focused on, again, some context, um, but Daniel yep. chapter one. And so, yep. yeah, Daniel chapter two through um, through five. Okay. Yeah, Daniel two is uh, really important in the structure of Daniel. In fact, uh, one of the major cues to that is, I think it's verse four. Um, it, the, it says, then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, and at this point, the language, the, the mm-hmm. written the written text switches to Aramaic yep. and continues that, I, I believe, through uh, either the end or through chapter 7. Um, I, I'm a little fuzzy on that detail. That's significant because in Daniel 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he goes seeking through the wise men of Babylon, Babylon um, explanation. No one can do that um, except Daniel. Daniel and his friends pray mm-hmm. that God would help them to interpret because the king had basically issued a death threat that any wise person that wasn't able to help, uh, if no one could help, then all would die. And the king at this point is Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, and very, very far from God. It's mm-hmm. very much into being Babylonian king, uh, ex- extraordinary. So Daniel interprets this dream. Uh-huh. It's remarkable because Daniel provides the dream and the interpretation. Uh-huh. That was something that Nebuchadnezzar had laid down as like a gauntlet. Um, Daniel says, in your dream, you saw a statue, head of gold, uh, chest of silver, belly of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron mixed with clay. And you also saw in your dream a piece of a mountain break off a smaller rock hurtling through the air, smashing into the statue and basically obliterating uh-huh. the statue. And then Daniel says the interpretation of that dream is you, King Nebuchadnezzar, and Babylon are the head of gold. After you will come a slightly lesser kingdom, uh, one of uh, of silver, excuse me. After that, another kingdom. After that, a fourth kingdom. And after that, um, almost like a a kingdom, but a dispersed kind of kingdom. Mm -hmm. And this is fascinating because historically, if you follow this in Daniel 5, where we, we were just this past weekend makes it clear that the transition from the head of gold to the to the chest of iron happened in Daniel's time. The uh-huh. Medes and Persians overran the Babylonians. After them, it was the Greeks, right? Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, after the Persians, you have the... the I think that's the Alexander Greeks. the Great? We have the Neo-Assyrians at some point, too. We're also running out of, like time runway to get to the Romans. I yes. mean, the Romans are really... Yeah, they're going to come through. The dudes. So I think Brad's going to look that up real quick while, we, mm-hmm. uh, while we're going here. But Daniel explains that dream, um, and that kind of sits. But that's important because, again, we see the fall of Babylon happen in chapter 5. We see the rise of the Persians in chapter 6. And we see another dream, this time that Daniel has, a vision that he has in Daniel 7 that has a lot to do with Daniel chapter 2. So Daniel 2 is key to the book. Yeah, so you have the the Assyrians, then you have the Babylonians, and then you have the Persians, and then you have the Greeks. And then following the Greeks, you'd have the Romans. Syrians, Babylonians, Persians, and Greeks, yet, Romans. at the yeah. same time, it's also important to remember that we we only, um, you know, give credence to whichever empire was, like, in charge yes. and ruling at that time. But there, there are some things happening concurrently yeah. where you have, like, the Medes uh, – have been around for a long time, like they're kind of over here, but then when they become like the Persians overtake them, they're just wrapped into that, but yeah. they still exist. And after the Greeks, you'd have the Romans. Um, yes. As well. Yeah. Very fluid. 
Um, the Assyrians, who you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, they were harassing and, and overrunning the northern, the northern Israel, Israel tribes. Yeah, so a lot of I, a lot of before. Isaiah is in this context of like, oh, you've got this big bad Assyrian, you know, empire that's looming. What's yes. it going to do? You know, yes. what are we going to do with that? It's fascinating stuff, it really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel three, yep. following that dream about the succession of empires. Oh, the most important part of the dream. We mm-hmm. almost missed it. The rock, the piece of the mountain. Yep. Fascinating uh, image and device. And um, to my understanding, that is the representation of the kingdom of God, the small. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I, w- I would assume they thought of this as Israel, the people mm-hmm. of God. And I think, um, especially because Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man, which is a phrase from Daniel, from Daniel. Um, I think we can understand this today as believers, um, never an empire to themselves, mm-hmm. but persistent and um, in some ways uh, also affecting affecting change in the world, but from this position of like mustard seed Mm-hmm. you know, mentality. Yeah. Um, so Nebuchadnezzar responds to this dream. Uh, he praises Daniel, gives him a high position, mm-hmm. I think promotes his friends even. Um, and then <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar turns around and creates a 90 foot high statue made entirely of gold. Uh, there's two things going on there. One, I think is a little posturing like, well, if, you know, if you say the statue's going to change, then I'm going to say the statue's going to be all gold. Yeah. If you're Daniel, you're probably like, Huh. Yeah. You didn't you didn't quite you didn't quite get it. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Now, Jeff who works with us, he did yeah. a little research and there's also some potential that what Nebuchadnezzar was doing was bringing the dream into his reality mm-hmm. and the statue and the worship of it had more to do with him trying to set up his preferred afterlife. Mm-hmm. In either way, he's trying to make a name for himself, yep. and he's trying to force others to worship him, which in Babylonian thinking, king was a god. King so, was a god. I mean, that is something that, yeah, we are, I don't know, maybe we're not too far removed from that because we put ourselves at the center of the universe all the time. Mm. Um, but I do think, yeah, there is some there's something there that's like, okay, king's going to do king things. Yeah, no one's walked up and said, hey, deity, and like <laughs> gone from there. Especially not in my own home, and that's a good thing. But uh, Yes, yes. So Nebuchadnezzar does this. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they refuse mm-hmm. you know, to bow down. That sets up this power scene where Nebuchadnezzar is following through on his mm-hmm. warning that he would mm-hmm. burn to death anyone who did that in a furnace. And um, they famously say, God can rescue us, even if he does not. We're mm-hmm. not going to bow down. Another in the fire is playing, you know, that's, that's throughout right. the kingdom. <laughs> Joy FM is just yeah. going strong yeah. in the background. Yeah. and um, But they don't die. They get thrown in. In fact, yep. the fire is so hot that Nebuchadnezzar's own soldiers die. But uh, the three men are walking in the fire, unbound, still clothed. Yep. Remarkable. Yep. Um, and when the king looks in, he sees a fourth. He sees a fourth. In the fire. Which we didn't spend much time talking about that in, no. the, in the message that week. No, that, we didn't. So what, what's going on there? Well, yeah, what is going on there, Brad? <laughs> it, it, I remember having a deep dive conversation several months ago. Ben Powers was, was on. I forget what, what we were talking about at the time. I think it was... Um, I think it was when we were in the Jacob series and we were the angel of the Lord is wrestling with Jacob and it was 
hey, is this Jesus? Uh, like, is this yes. an Old Testament, you know? Well, did he have a beard? Picture. That's the whole question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, was was this some uh, pre-incarnation, um, you know, appearance of a christophany yeah a christophany there's a word for that good word it's a strange word that won't fit on wordle yeah and i'm not sure is wordle still a thing oh man i play every day dude ever since my phone like erased my stats i just haven't like the three in me is like no i want the i want heartbreaking that's heartbreaking Um, but anyway we were talking about it then and i and i wonder in our conclusion we didn't really have one um at the time but I don't know. Do you do you think this is a, a pre-incarnation Christophany or an angel of the Lord or what's what's happening here? All right. Or does it matter? You're going to get more of Dan's thought than you're than you're asking yes. for. Yes. All right. Here's what I think. <clears throat> it's definitely at least an angel of the Lord. <laughs> um, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar says it's one like the son, a son of the gods, which Daniel in Daniel is compared to one in whom the spirit of the gods is. Um, I do think, I actually, I do think in this particular story that this is Jesus walking with them, mm-hmm. um, Christophany, it could, being an angel of the Lord would be nothing less. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't fully explain why I think this one's Jesus. Now, this is where my more thought than you're asking for. I don't think that every time angel of the Lord or dramatic appearance of God yep. in the Old Testament, I don't think all of those are Christophanies. Mm-hmm. I do think all of them are, um, what's, what's that word? Uh, they're foreshadowing. They're um, not analogy. They are, uh, I can't think of the word, for it's it's giving us a taste of what God with us mm. could or could or would or should be. Mm. Um, but in this particular instance, especially because Daniel later sees one as the son of man and, and things like that, I, I think it's pretty fair to say that um, Jesus was near to these guys. Um, this would be second person of the Trinity, mm-hmm. not yet made flesh, mm-hmm. uh, but in this instance, walking in, in the appearance of man. Yeah, it is a good reminder that like the Trinity is this pre-existent, eternal, loving relationship God. And these are his people. These are his people. That's always been um, the plan. But even like, I mean, Christ like had a role in creation. Um yeah. you have you know, you hear the man, now we're gonna go real nerdy, these like extra Calvinistic attributes, right, of of Christ, the things that he did, the things that he um even put off whenever he came yep. to earth uh, as Philippians, you know, chapter two talks about, um, I'll bring that up to say just that Christ was a thing yep. <laughs> in the old Testament. He was yep. up to something. It's not outside of the realm of possibility to, to wonder, um, or imagine like yep. where, where does he show up? And maybe this is one of those yeah. spaces that, the total sidebar. If you ever want to do a deep dive, uh, Patrick Fairbairn's Life in the Trinity uh, captivated oh, so and fascinated me. Donald Donald Fairburn. Donald Fairburn? Yeah. Oh, what did I say? Patrick. I totally made that up. That's right. Mr. Fairburn. Yeah. That's a- F-A-I-R-B-A-I-R-N? Oh, yeah. Fairburn? Very good. I think so. Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. But yeah, that would be a fascinating thing. We do spelling, thing. too. Hey. 
So Nebuchadnezzar, N-E-B-U-C-H-A-D-N-E-Z-Z-A-R, uh, then responds. If I with, remember which one of these buttons was the applause. I'd, I would, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Or the laugh um, track. So Nebuchadnezzar, uh, here's an interesting thing about Daniel. It's the story of the people of God, the actions of God, the words of mm-hmm. God. But Daniel does focus a lot in chapter 2, 3, uh, four mm-hmm. and five on the kings of Babylon and their experience yep. of God through his people, um, which I think is instructive. But Daniel four, Nebuchadnezzar praises God, has another dream, mm-hmm. brings Daniel in to interpret. And Daniel says, King, I wish this was for anyone but you. But the meaning of this dream is you're a mighty king. You're known everywhere. But because of your pride, you're about to be humbled. You're going to be cut very low. Mm-hmm. You're going to exist in the grass of the field. The dew of heaven will wet your back and you will go through this for a time and then your mind will be restored. And Daniel concludes with a plea to the king, please humble yourself before God humbles you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the king did not. And interestingly, the, the tone of this uh, chapter, chapter four, is in the voice of Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. It's like a diary page almost. Yep. Um, And he says, and all these things came upon Nebuchadnezzar and uh, this like self-disclosure, this recognition, he does lose his mind for a time. He regains his sanity. And when he does, he clearly praises the God of heaven Mm -hmm. in a much different way than he had to to any point uh, in the story so far. Um, It's it's that rock. It's that Mm -hmm. piece, you know, of something small but sturdier than the kingdoms moving through the kingdom, the smashing of the kingdom, in a sense, isn't all that violent. Mm-hmm. In Nebuchadnezzar's world, it's actually quite joyful. He's coming to know who he is on God's green mm-hmm. earth. Um, so he regains his sanity, uh, and then he hands off the kingdom. He passes away, um, and Belshazzar uh, it takes over. Now, Belshazzar is an interesting figure. Um, he's a Chaldean, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um and historically, we know that Nabonidus was also ruling yep. in the same time. It's kind of co-regents. There, then yeah. there, this is where um, the question of like the historical reliability of, of our Old Testament, I think, comes up because we yep. want it to be this cleanly packaged thing that lines up exactly with what we understand and know of ancient Near East history. It doesn't always do that. Um, yep. in, in some cases, I think it's, it's that question of who's it written for. Yes. Um, and what do those people like? What would they need to know, like yes. for the for the purpose of the of the of the text? And then also like, and what do they already know about their world? Yes, like we know far more probably about yes. their world than they knew about their world. So like, let's not introduce concepts and historical data to a group of people that just. It's yeah. completely irrelevant. It's like, have you ever read a book that was written around like 1950? Mm-hmm. And you can just tell, like, in their world, there were there were details that meant so much to them at the time, mm-hmm. but maybe today just haven't aged well or stood mm-hmm. the test of time. That doesn't mean they were irrelevant or that the people were, were writing falsehoods. Yep. It's from their perspective. This is, and the story's quite remarkable. You know, mm-hmm. Belshazzar, um, he goes further. It, not just challenging the people of God or the name of God. He actually goes into profaning the name mm-hmm. of God. He brings the articles, the exiled articles of the temple, mm-hmm. temple, the, the spoils of war, as it were, into an idol party. And um, uh, 
Yeah, and that's where we pick up the the story of the handwriting on the wall, mm-hmm. the judgment of God against Babylon. Um, you have been weighed and found wanting, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately the fall of Babylon. The the end of chapter five concludes verse thirty and thirty one. Uh, that very night, Belshazzar the Chaldean was king was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about sixty two years old. Yeah. Um, so, you know what's happening in Daniel's chapter two through five? It's um, it's kind of the question, like, in what way will the kingdom of God confront the kingdom of Babylon? Mm-hmm. And to me, it's beautiful because there's a lot of mercy for Babylon in this. In fact, there's even the hint that there's endless mercy if they will respond. Um, somewhere along the, the studying of this, I remember somebody close to us, it could have even been you, Brad, but somebody said, um, when we think of the prophet Jonah, mm-hmm. um, and we think of his story, and we tell his story, the the big fish story, mm-hmm. that's not the miracle. Mm-hmm. The miracle is the people of Nineveh completely humbling themselves yeah. to, to repent yeah. in, in front of God. And that would have been the Assyrians. The Assyrians, yep. Here we see um, this kind of hint and this teasing again, like the, the point of Daniel, that the people of God will persist, the message of God will carry through. It's not, it's not for the smashing of the empires, mm-hmm. but it's because it's the chance for every empire to come into contact with the story of God, mm-hmm. to receive mercy, mm-hmm. um, to be to humble themselves before they're humbled by God, so mm-hmm. to speak. And um, I, I just think it's right to see that, you know, God would, in his goodness, extend his love and mercy to every kingdom that would uh, accept him. Yeah, no, that's really good. And, and what we're going to see um, next week, we're going to see the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, Darius. Yes. Can Dar- we do that every time? Yes. Daniel in the lion's yes. den, please. Yes. Uh, Darius will, will be back on the scene. Yep. Uh, Belshazzar had a very um, short window. There's some... Um, Ah, tragic. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I use the word tragic. There's some irony in yep. the the way that you know Daniel interprets the the writing on the wall and what that means for Belshazzar. Uh, Belshazzar and he's having yep. a uh, a party, and it ends up being like that's that's his going out party. Yep. Um, his his, yeah. his reign does not his his reign does not last. Um, there's some confusion a little bit around who this Darius guy is because yep. he doesn't show up in. Um, Writings of antiquity. Um, it's the same. It's the same thing with the Belshazzar. Yeah. Like, to what degree was he king? Like Darius. To what degree? Well, it's clear that Cyrus was already king of yep. Persia whenever yep. Babylon fell to the oh, Persians. That's right. That's right. Um, so is Darius just a, a a local name? You know, a throne name in Babylon yep. for Cyrus? Is Darius's general? Uh, does it matter, um, you know, to the, to the the story itself? Would um, you rather name your kid Darius or Cyrus? <sighs> Neither are great options. Hmm. Uh, at least Darius has some uh, sympathy towards Daniel. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. Darius, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so cool. Uh, great summary. Thank you, Dan, for that. Um, if nothing else, maybe you just get curious about the history of you know the, the yep. things that you learned in uh western you know i guess it wouldn't be western civ uh world civilization classes in middle school and high school maybe college um they do help us because the old testament is not written um once you get to a certain point in in, in uh, chronological sense it's you know these yep. prophets are you, you have 
they're they're serving sometimes concurrently with other prophets. Yep. Sometimes they're out of order. Um, but understanding the context for these stories, even understanding the context for the prophecy that's going to come, um, because the second half of Daniel, when we hit part two yep. uh, later this year, uh, even those prophecies are going to be outside of their chronology of the book of Daniel. Um, now, granted, Daniel does a good job of of rooting us in the history, at That's least right. within that timeline. Um, but understanding that prophecy, because the purpose of prophecy is always uh, for the people of God at a particular given right. point, um, even if it's looking future-focused, uh, which in Daniel it will, um, you know, apocalyptically it still has its primary function for that moment in that space and that time. Yeah, uh, for them. That is to say, we can't understand Daniel part two w- be- without understanding Daniel part one. Yes. That's the way Daniel's presented yep. to us. Cool. Something uh, you reminded me of, I, one of the reasons I am a believer and a um, pretty firm on you know the Bible as this truly unique, I, I love the phrase, the word of God, mm-hmm. but what makes that special um, is that it's so rooted in the in the goings on of the world. Yeah. It's not just about events or persons. It's about like having really lived, you know, in these particular moments in history as God's people walking particular streets. And there's something there that um, it's just other literature doesn't Mm -hmm. do that. Mm. Um, And not, not, I'm not saying it can't or that others don't have features of it. There's, there's something in the Bible that really begs and screams like no 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 we this isn't just we were there mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like this is our story yeah um and, and that to me is <coughs> huge and influential and makes the case really for jesus and the kind of savior yeah. he would be that's great um all right we only have a couple minutes and where i really want to go and we don't have time for is uh Speed questions with well, Brad Aslan. I don't even have like a good way Let's of asking this question. This is more just me feeling a little bit ornery on a Monday when not many yeah. people are in the office. Yeah. Um, the relationship between like American Christian nationalism yes. and like the Old Testament nation of Israel, uh, but then they find themselves in exile not experiencing this ideal version of their nation that they were expecting. And in the context of a much larger empire that is the yeah. baddest you know, guy on the block. So yeah. I don't even know what my question is yeah. there, but it feels relevant. Yeah, I think for me, um, I, I grew up with a lot of uh, teaching and preaching around America as uh, almost a new kind of promised land, or yeah. Jerusalem was equally uh, my heart and America at the mm-hmm. same time in mm-hmm. interpretation. and. Um, I, where I've grown, I, I think, in understanding the scriptures has come through Paul's writings mm. and Paul's interest and in having to really effectively fight for Gentile inclusion. Mm. And this is where we get so much of our understanding of what God was doing in Jesus. Mm-hmm. He was not reconstituting Israel. Yeah. He was creating a new Israel. Yeah. And it was for all people of all time. And so I find um, I, it's not that I... I you know, have any bitterness toward Christian nationalism. I do want America to prosper. I do want America to mm-hmm. know the gospel in mm-hmm. totality. Well, that's that, that line, you know, that we've started each of these weeks with in that video of, of the God has a plan for Babylon too. And that's he right. has a plan for the people 
living in Babylon. That's right. And he wants them not just to long for the day that they get to return, but that he wants them to be about Babylon's prosperity. If my vision for the church only has to do with American soil, then I've misunderstood the scriptures. Yeah. If my vision for the church has to do with my neighbor, has to do with uh, both the immigrant and the expat, has to do with the other corners of the world, mm-hmm. um, has to do uh, with me changing mm-hmm. rather than my neighbor changing, mm-hmm. then that's much closer to mm-hmm. what the scriptures are uh, leading us toward, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, hey, did that... In- Men and a half. Uh, well, thanks for joining this episode of uh, the Deep Dive. We will be back next week um, looking at Daniel chapter 6 and Daniel in the lion's den. Um, you're supposed to do your... There you go. My bad. Uh, hope that you can join us. Uh, go in grace and peace. Uh, you can find this resource and more on our website, calvary.church slash Daniel CC. I don't, I butchered that. I have no idea what the... What, Daniel CC. I have no idea. Well, it's that hashtag <laughs> slash uh, the URL. Anyway, go in grace and peace. Uh, have a fantastic week. We will catch you again next week. He's Brad. I'm Belteshazzar. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Deep Dive, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.